go in there for a cup of coffee, you're going to experience you're New, New York. Right, you make right. friends. You're going to construction workers. You'd have punk rockers from the night, still coming home from the night before. Right. You'd have a just cast of characters in there, and, and it was just, it was just so classic. Shout out to Big to, to Parkside Bar and Grill, independently owned, um, love, lovely owner who, who really, really cares about the neighborhood. Right, there's these, we call them gems, like these, yeah. these little gems of the city to discover. Having this cast iron, because it was load bearing, it made room that they could have these big- Massive windows. Massive windows. Still to this day, it's all about, yeah. it's all about yeah. the money. Couple yep. walking their large dog, and and the dog, their large dog, pulled over to see our dogs, and it turned out it was Kate Hudson yep. and her um, husband. At the time, was the lead singer of Bl Black Crows. Right. Coppola we see on Bleecker Street. Parker and um, his wife is a, a is a big fan of our our, our storefront photography, and of course the introduction to our book. I mean, I have to I have to mention Chris Stein, the. Uh, co-founder of Blondie. I have a question for you. Are you an architect? And are you broke? If the answer is yes, it's what I've suspected for many years, as I am indeed an architect myself. This podcast is about debt in the profession of architecture, and I want to hear from you. Are you just surviving month to month with no extra money for savings? Or are you seriously broke and in debt and stress and worry about your income? Or does your wife, husband or significant other earn substantially more than you, which gives you a great life, given the ability to choose your clients, when you work and who for? Or have you attained financial freedom in architecture? If you're in the first two categories, surviving month to month or facing financial difficulties, how is this affecting your mental health? Are you suffering from depression or even despair? Please share, subscribe and comment to support the channel. Uh, th these next couple of questions are just of just personal interest to me because I think everyone asks, everyone has their favorite place. So I just want to know, What's your favorite coffee shop and why? Well, first two coffee shops. Oh, that's an easy one. We there, there we we had two favorites. One one is gone and one is still in business. Our favorite one that you can still visit today is B and H Dairy. It's an amazing, lovely, and dairy restaurant <laughs> that was started by Jewish immigrants. The reason it's called B&H Dairy is because they didn't sell any meat. So it was like predates, you know, like now there's people, okay, um, vegan and vegetarian, but it predates all this. And then it came in place because of the Jewish dietary laws where you can't, when you're um, kosher and um, you can't mix meat with dairy and fish. Right. It's like this little narrow, there's a counter, a row of boots and a small little passageway down, down the store. Right. And. The reason why we love it so much is that the interior really hasn't changed much over the years. The menu hasn't changed much over the years, but the owners have. And it's a true immigrant success story because even though it's a Jewish dairy restaurant, meaning no meat, and they serve like 
old um, things like blintzes, pierogies, and like these foods that um back to its Jewish um heritage, right. matzo, matzo ball soup, matzo yeah. ball soup. It's now owned by a immigrant from Poland who's Catholic and her husband who is an Egyptian Muslim. They're married. They, they're married. <laughs> they get the places inspected and blessed every week by a by rabbi. A rabbi. So it's like a and even though they're not Jewish, they right. learn the recipes. They learned everything. Right. They, I mean, they tweaked it over the years because I, you know, Ola, who's uh, the the owner with with her husband Fozzie, I guess she uses her own family recipe from from Poland for the pierogies. But they always had pierogies there. They um, so she might have tweaked those recipes, and and for the right. we filmed as the well. lunch there for our YouTube and everybody on the, everybody on the channel, like this is the most New York conversation I've ever heard because everyone gets involved. People like the workers up in the front of the store, shouting to the back, right. customers eating, will hear what you're talking about and turn and shout at you. Right, and like, you I, have like 10 conversations all going on at once. Right, Cause I was, I was talking about, I had borscht. I was saying, oh, so good is the mushroom barley soup. And then somebody like they heard me because yeah, like, they'll my turn around is, and be like, you know who has good mushroom barley soup? No, 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 don't, don't forget about don't forget about their matzo ball soup. Yeah, like exactly. they would say, like they were listening and, to the conversation, and it's just it's just so funny. And like it's just everyone shouting over each other, and it's loud and right. And Ola herself is so sweet, and she takes the time to yeah. learn like every one of her customers' names. And she will remember you if you come in again. Yeah, like, she greets you with a hug and a kiss. Greets you with a hug and a kiss. She will remember if you like your coffee with milk or sugar. And, you know, things like that, like special atmosphere. It's an experience, right? You go in there for a cup of coffee, you're going to experience you New, New York. York. Right, you make right. friends. You're going to experience New York on its most right. uh, crucial level, I think. And make friends. friends. Because you'll make friends right. with the owner. You'll make friends with the people sitting next to you on this narrow little counter with your squeeze. Yeah, there's in. all these little stools and then like two tables in the back. Right. It's it's fabulous. And they keep their prices low. Right. So, which is extra, extra good. I mean, they used to be cash only, but they... They had to change. And they have the homemade challah bread, which is just amazing. Right. She makes her own challah bread. Big you can even buy a loaf of challah bread, but they right. when you buy get a soup, she does she puts a right. slice the one of that closed, bread. Just to answer the other question, the one that closed was Cup and Saucer. Right, on Canal Street by Eldridge. And it was just a dynamite location. Yeah, it was very sad. Um because it was a, a wonderful, a wonderful uh, coffee shop. And they even had in the floor when you it had terrazzo floor inlaid in the terrazzo a gold cup and saucer was a gold cup and saucer <laughs> it was on, awesome. on the, in the floor uh, of um that coffee shop we used to go there and he'd see us walking across the street and they would already be setting out what we're gonna have right we've been there so many times right. john john the co-owner would see us and he knows i like my coffee with milk and sugar james likes his coffee black they would always already be on the counter you know, waiting for us, like, and because he would see us walking from down the street that we were that we were coming for, you know, our breakfast. Right. They had amazing. If we had to get it to go, <laughs> you would get to you would get to where you're gonna eat it. Special. You'd open it up and you see you tucked a couple of free donuts in the bag. Yeah, just stuff like that. It just like, it every time mm -hmm. you would say, "Come out in front of the store, yeah. say hi to our dog." And Sadly, Cup and Saucer was was forced to close um because of a huge rent increase. And the sad thing is, is that the storefront is now empty. A pizza place took over. They closed. Now the storefront's empty. It makes you think, like, 
would he still be there today if the owner was met him halfway or something met him halfway maybe didn't didn't you know raise it to to such an astronomical uh amount that he that he couldn't you know he didn't want to raise the prices i right. mean just like because you go in there there was like there was like people from chinatown right that didn't speak uh you know really? a lick and, of it a lick of english, english but they would just You'd have you know? construction workers you'd have punk rockers from the night still coming home from the night before right you'd have of this cast of characters in there, and, and it was just—it was just so classic. Right. It was built. Cup and Saucer was built on. It was a. It was a Jewish, originally Jewish-owned luncheonette. It was built on the jewelry trade that used to be centered in the neighborhood. Right. People now that come to New York, they they now think of the jewelry center as in Midtown, but it used to be on the Lower East Side. Right. And that's how that that particular little coffee shop started, and the the owners, you know, who were forced to close because of rent increase, they told us that um you know because the jewelry trade moved uptown they had lost a lot of their um accounts their old accounts they used to deliver like to a lot of businesses deliver lunch deliver breakfast and they lost those accounts and they, they but the line was struggling. still out the door at lunchtime right. they were the struggling. line would be down the block at lunchtime and right. we're like what more does a landlord want so that's than because this? he kept the prices low the food was great and he had breakfast specials back in um you know, 2020, I mean, right. no, I guess it was 20, well, it was 2018, I think they closed, or 2019, right. breakfast specials still for $5. Right. You know, pancakes, cup of coffee, orange juice. Yeah, potatoes. Uh, eggs, any style with hash browns on the side. And I mean, toast. all this for, for $5. I mean, it was, it was you know, uh, just fabulous. Yeah, fabulous. now you go to stores empty. Yeah, and it's sad. It's sad to see yeah. the store empty. So, yeah, those are definitely our favorites. Our favorites. two favorite coffee. Being aged there, you can still visit today, yeah. and uh, we hope people do. Yeah. Oh, you're not going to get that in the Starbucks, are you? That sort of service. Uh, no. No, not, <laughs> no, not at all. Not no. at all. The other one I wanted to ask as well is, um, I don't know if you guys drink, but what is your favorite bar and why? We have a couple of favorites, but I have to tell you, as a dog owner, one of our favorites would have to be, and it's in our, our storefront book, Parkside, Parkside uh, Lounge. Yeah, it's uh, on page 22. Page, on page 22, we'll, we'll show you it. The reason why we will say that one in particular is it's actually a dog-friendly place in the summer months. They set up outside at uh, what I told them to call it the... Um, Barkside. Barkside. Where they put out in the hot, hot summer days, they, they put out kiddie pools full they put of water. Two little kiddie pools filled with water, and they put out tables outside. And dog toys and everything, and you can drink while your right. they dog give, is laying in the they pool. They give you a free dog toy, and you can sit there having a drink with your dog, cooling off in the in right. the dog pool. I mean, that being said, our dog Hudson does not like the, does not like to get wet. It's in a spot that's far off the tourist track. Right. It's, it's on like, it's on East Houston Street. People go to East Houston Street. They'll right. go to They'll they go, won't get any further east than Katz's. Right. right. They won't go any further east than Katz's. No further east than Katz's. Go further east. We actually had someone come to visit us. And we said we were going to go to Parkside. And they're like, oh, no, there's and that's not good over Yorker. there. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. They live in New York City, but they were afraid to go to Parkside Bar and Grill. They were like, like what are you talking they're about? They're like, oh, no, that's too far east. That's in, you know, like that's on the edge. You know, because it is. It's it's almost by um the FDR, you know. And the, there's the projects. Right. They were they were frightened to go there. I'm like, no, no, don't be frightened. That's not a, it's not frightening <laughs> to go there. Uh, but they were intimidated to go. But it's 
it's the most welcoming place and then even welcome your your doggo so shout out to big to, to parkside bar and grill independently owned um love lovely owner who who really really cares about the neighborhood they also do free poetry they have poetry readings they have a back performance room, space performance yeah. space i mean it's, it's more, like old new york yeah. it's more than a bar it's it's a destination yeah it is yeah yeah you'll have a fun afternoon yeah Oh, it sounds wonderful. It really does. I think I've seen it on one of your videos as well. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. So that's wonderful. But you, you both, you've lived in New York City for many years. And Carla, I know you were born in Harlem. What are the biggest changes that you've seen um, in the city moving? You know, is it moving in a positive direction? And James, I don't know where, don't know where you were born. Um, maybe you can Bridgeport. jump in. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Bridgeport, Connecticut. <laughs> I, when I when I left Bridgeport, Connecticut, I was young and uh, it was an industrial wasteland. All the major factories, it was a factory city. Um, they had all closed up and left. You had General Electric leave. You had Remington uh, Arms leave. You had Singer Sewing Machine leave on and on. And that's where you're like, your, your, your um, grandparents had My worked. My grandparents had worked, yeah. right. And it became just a, a, a blight. Um, and it's referenced, right, yeah. it's referenced in David Foster Wallace, his book, he mocks Bridgeport, even Family Guy, the cartoon on Fox, they rag on on Bridgeport. It's been since redeveloped, like this, this you know, they, they're they, trying, they but it still has a massive amount of problems. But right. <laughs> long story short, when I started hanging out in the city at age 14, um, that's where I was driven um, from that environment to the city, which I thought was just absolutely exciting. And amazing and i fell in love to stay carla on the other hand she grew up in go ahead well i mean i i, I was born in harlem in mount sinai hospital but I, I i grew up in the bronx and it was during the bronx's burning time right you know, you know people, they had their problems right people here are like oh my god you were up in the bronx you know like they're, they're they apologize there's a famous you know, world, like... world series game right um in their show it was it was taking place at yankee stadium and they pull out and they show a crowd shot and you just see fires. Right. That was as Howard far Cosell, as the eye could right? see. Yeah. And, and Howard Cosell says, ladies and gentlemen, the Bronx is burning. Right. And that was the famous quote. Right. People people have this picture of like the Bronx being like, you know, a dangerous and place or crime ridden, whatever. Not to me. To me, I mean, you know, we, I grew up and we didn't have a lot of money. It was all about the community. And I mean... I love my neighborhood and I, yeah. I didn't think any, anything um, right. of it. I thought it was, I thought it was wonderful, but it wasn't our own neighborhood. It wasn't my neighborhood growing up. It wasn't um, the neighborhood we, we, James and I met on the Lower East Side yep. in the 1980s. Yeah. Cause it we hung out six years before we got married. Right. We were friends. It wasn't our neighborhood that prompted us to start documenting these stores. It was really going out of our neighborhood and seeing that these small stores were starting to close that got us thinking that maybe we should um, photograph them. There's so, I mean, to answer your question about um, how has New York changed, so many neighborhoods have changed, you know, in their ethnic makeup and, and their, you know, how expensive they are. You know, we right. moved to the East Village and in particular to our apartment that we've lived in the same building, right. I mean, for, you know, over right. 20 something years. Because it was inexpensive. Right. I mean, that's the reason we moved yeah. here. And it's not inexpensive anymore. I mean, if we were 
if we were a young couple today, yeah, there's hard, no way we could pressed. afford right. to live live here. But I, mean, I still I, I still think there's the 14 year old now. I think of like a 14 year old coming to New York now and they're still finding um, an exciting place. Something that's new, exciting to them. Right. And to say like the city is dead or or even a stretch of street by ours is St. Mark's. That's where we're having our our um, a book signing and in a gallery show, a gallery right. show and stuff. Yeah, it's very, very different. When I first went there, it was all punk rock. But now you go there on a Saturday night and it's hopping and it's and it's young kids and, and they're experiencing New York. Right. Maybe it's just you're getting older. Yeah, you maybe know? you're getting older. Maybe there's <laughs> believe me, there's 14 year olds that are experiencing New York for the first time and they're having a great time now. Right. And I think New York still offers a tremendous amount, even though yeah, things are closing and things are being replaced and Right. But I mean, there's still a lot of neighborhoods where that have these beautiful mom and pop stores that you can still visit today. And uh, right. We wanted know, our book to be more of a celebration. Right. Of the stores, not not a, a melancholy lament. Right. You know? I mean, we realized that some have closed since we photographed them, but that was not the purpose. The purpose wasn't to, to document something that we knew. No, was it's to celebrate the ones we have. We didn't know they were closing when right. we photographed them. They were open and we, we were. We were interested in them. I mean, so interested that we would, you know, speak to the owner and then maybe we would find out they were in, they were in danger of closing. But that's not what attracted to us um, in the first place of why we took the no, photo. It was all about the, these lovely facades and, and their signs and, and the window displays. New York is always evolving and always changing. It doesn't really matter uh, whether um, neighborhoods become gentrified or not. Um, these mom and pop stores can, can still hold on. And just um, a newer generation uh, right. can visit them. And a lot of, I think, the longevity of, of these stores, I mean, the number one reason why they close, certainly, you know, which we found out is that they don't own the building they're located in. However, that being said, even owning the building you are located in doesn't ensure that you're going to be there forever. Sometimes the stores have to change with the times. Yep. And there's a good example of that um, in our book, and that's, economy candy uh which we, we we also just recently um stopped by economy candy on page 24 on rivington street near essex it they updated their facade and when we took we had previously photographed it and it's in our previous um publication um about mom and pop stores and it had their older facade it wasn't even the original facade they had updated a couple of times but when they updated the facade, we spoke with the current um, owner and we, we asked him, why did you change it? Because, you know, we are always interested. Why did you, why did you change it? And he's like, well, I wanted to pay homage to our roots. This is more like how the, the, the storefront looked originally when we, when my um, grandfather had opened the store and plus the neighborhood has changed and sometimes just making a simple change, like making it um, shiny and white instead of like half broken and, and, like time worn which we love which we love <laughs> but sometimes doing that you know they did a nice job shows to people that we care about the business and we want it to stay forever and plus i'm a new generation owner like i've taken over ownership of the store now as a third generation owner and i wanted to put my own stamp on it and hearing that made perfect sense to us we said you know what you were absolutely right. At first, we were critical, maybe, that you changed your facade because we were hanging on to that old one. But you did the 100% right thing. Right. And that's why we took that photo again, put it in our storefront book, because we wanted to share the beautiful 
facade and the way it looks like today. So if you go there today, that's how it looks, right. and you can recognize and it. It looks very much like the original. Exactly. And, and it's a wonderful place, especially in October, I would say is one of their busiest months because Halloween they candy. sell like, you know, pan, uh, candy, loose candy by like you can buy it by the pound. So it's popular for trick or treaters. Right. Oh, wonderful. Oh, really, really wonderful. And I didn't really just like you. I didn't really would even it wouldn't have even thought that of why they changed the sign. Um, so, and, and yes, things are evolving out there all the time and things can't stay the same. Okay, let's talk about a little bit about urban spaces. The ne next couple of questions. Um, how do you feel about New York City eventually becoming a city with just electric cars, if that was to happen? I mean, charging stations alone, um, from a practical standpoint, I mean... I don't know how that's going to work in New York right. City. I, I really, really don't. I mean, yeah, I mean you know... Uh, uh, I'm I'm sure that that you know it will become the wave of the future, but but right now I think it's um you know I don't know electricity isn't cheap in New York, you know trust us we get we get our bill from Con Ed every month, right. you know we we have to oh uh, it's not it's not included in in our building we pay for our own electricity um it's yeah, it's, think... it's expensive so I don't know how it's going to work with um. I, I don't I don't know how that I don't know how it's going to work. No. Um, you know, what's what's happening now isn't working. What's what was happening before isn't working. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, things need to change. But right. I, I mean, I really don't know the answer. I mean, right. Th there's a lot of lot of issues. New York That's to <laughs> New York to us is a city, a walkable city. Yeah. And for us. The way we discovered these storefronts is not driving around. That's no, walking. We walked. Right. And that's the best way to get around in New York. Yeah, you don't need a car here. You don't need a car. You don't need a you don't need a gasoline. It's a car. You don't need an electric car. No. You don't need any car. No. You know, I think that's the the key here is you really you really don't need a car. I mean, bicycles are great, but you know, unless you're doing like the, you know, where you can just get rid of the bike, um, you know, like a, at like rent them, you a know, kiosk, do, the, do yeah. the kiosk. I won't even say that the, the brand name bikes get stolen. Like right. if you own your own bike, it's it's a hassle. You have to be, be wary of that it's much easier to walk. But so the, the pro the, the ways of getting an electric uh, grid for for vehicles, I can't figure out right. for the life of me. Yeah, I in think this, I in think this environment. I think maybe maybe more better to make it just just to try to make it a, a walkable place. I mean, right. and, and then involve vehicles at all. I mean, I understand yeah. there has to be vehicles because there has to be a way of, of getting delivering goods at least, picking up stuff and and, and things like that, and also people that um you know where where it would be inaccessible for them difficult for them to take public transportation you know um because of their disability so i i understand that but um yeah tough I one. Mean, for us you know like i said best discovered on on foot if you can um yeah. new york city especially it's mom and pop stores yeah i just imagine this uh quiet city with electric cars and people getting run over because they can't hear the car. oh yeah for sure yeah, it's like the electric bikes. People are getting run over yeah, by, by, the electric e bikes. by the e-bikes. You don't it, hear happens, coming. it happens all the time. They go the wrong in, way. In New York. Not, you know, it's, it's and they're on the sidewalk. It's very dangerous. Yeah. 
My word, that is scary. Well, speaking of uh, sidewalks that you've just mentioned there, what are these things called vault lights? Oh, oh yeah, that's one of our favorites. Well, I mean, one of our favorite neighborhoods to walk around in is because coming from like, you know, our love of architecture is, is Soho because exactly. of its cast iron architecture. And not only does it have a preponderance of cast iron architecture, I mean, it was the cast iron architecture capital of the United States, um, is these so-called vault lights, which were installed at the same time where cast iron architecture right. um, came to be in the 1800s. They needed a way to, when they were constructing these cast iron buildings, a lot of them had uh, well, they were like for industry, industry or offices, light industry, no, or retail or businesses retail, right. on the upper floors, but on their bottom to make more money, they would put manufacturing, you know, sweatshops where like, especially garment workers and things like that, they needed, this is pre-electricity, they needed a way to get light into these basement uh, businesses right. that were doing um, manufacturing. So cleverly, they designed, I guess you could call it um, skylight for the sidewalk. Right. It's like these these little glass, I mean, I think there's, in some of them, it's like um, actually prisms yeah. that, that help direct the yeah. light. Little um, glass lenses in the sidewalk. Right. These little glass lenses, we um, they called uh, vault lights, but they're not actually lights. They're so just, the daylight just shines right through the it, sidewalk. Right. It, it provides the daylight to, well, you know, uh, light up the yeah. otherwise the dark basement. basement that has no, you know, windows or right. anything like that because it's below ground. And it was ingenious. Yeah. And, and they're very pretty. They're very like pretty. Um, a lot of them before um, Soho became, um, thank God, it became um, a landmark historic district, district and a right. historic district. Um, a lot of them were uh, removed right. because they they haven't, like the vault lights have an infrastructure of like the iron, like, you know, like there's they're set. So like there is like a metal infrastructure to them uh, like, because yeah. otherwise they don't like, how could anybody walk? Right. above them it's just it's yeah it's you know it has to be all load bearing as as well a lot of them were destroyed but thank god there's still a oh. number of them that are still there and to us it, it even shows the stairs you, have them sometimes right. going it, up into the business they're all they're all uh, dotted with these light with these glass to us it shows you that if you walk to you know take a look not only look down just look around but look, look up, look down, look everywhere. Yeah, there's the manufacturer stamps on the iron built. On the right. There's these, we call them gems, like yeah. these little gems of the city to discover. And the foundry um, who, who built the iron front. Right. Yeah. You can look for the foundry, the stamp. Uh, oftentimes on the buildings in it's um, from this area. Soho, there'll be the, the stamp of the foundry that actually cast the, the yeah, cast. Yeah, we did a iron. video on that on YouTube and it was fun. Yeah. We plan Finding to them all, tracing them all. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be fun. We're going to do that. We'll do another walk like that again. That will be that will be extra yeah, good. Yeah, because that was really fun. Yeah. My next question, my last question on urban spaces. So many buildings on Green Street in Soho, which is my personal favorite street in New York City, <laughs> they're made from, like you said, from cast iron, but they're painted to look like stone. What other aspects of Soho and that area do you love and why? 
You know, you've mentioned the vault lights, but there must be other things. The Belgian block streets. Yeah, we love the Belgian block streets. Um, the you know, fire escapes. The, the, the fire escapes. You know, always we love looking at the fire escapes right. because a lot of them have very intricate wrought iron as right. well. The architecture the, the of construction those. technique of, of the metal, the iron fronts allowed much bigger windows than ever right. was previously. Uh... It's inexpensive. Like the whole reason why cast iron became so popular was that it was inexpensive and it was also um, load bearing. So you could uh, create these structures and in particular, like storefronts, because it was about like making, there was at the time, a lot of like these big fancy stores started out like Tiffany and Company and all these things that are fabulous up on, on Fifth Avenue, they started Saks Fifth Avenue, you know, they started in, lower manhattan and when they were originally built they needed like a way to like invite people in so having this cast iron because it was load bearing that it made room that they could have these big massive windows massive windows yeah and that was that's i mean that's whole the whole reason inexpensive load bearing um lighter than stone uh, I mean, um, you know, cheaper than stone. Yeah, cheaper. And uh, just, I mean, it was an amazing thing. And you can make it look, like you said, it make it look like stone. So you can make it look like it was expensive. Yep. Like it was a marble facade when yeah. it wasn't marble. That was very attractive to manufacturers and retail businesses that were constructing these things in the 1800s because, you know, why not save money? You know, it's all about, I mean, yeah. it's still to this day, it's all about, yeah. it's all about yeah. the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, 100% of the time, it's all about money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, to us, it's it, it's ingenious. And it throws us back when we first met, we used to, it was like desolate there at night. And me and Carly's just going, um, sit on the stoops over there in the silence. And it's just a, a as you experience like Green Street, it's just a super atmosphere right. part of the remember, city. I remember sitting with with our two dogs we had two dogs at the time we saw this couple yep. walking their large dog and and the dog their large dog pulled over to see our dogs and it turned out it was Kate Hudson yep. and her um husband at the time was the lead singer of Bl Black Crows right mm. and they they had um I remember their dog um name was uh, Ella uh, Ella for, for Ella Fitzgerald, Ella Fitzgerald. I, I remember that and we just talked to them for a long time yeah just regular folks just uh, like and we not knew, once did their we, identity come up right we knew who they were but we yeah. didn't you know we didn't yeah. let on that we knew who they were to us they were just fellow dog owners having right. a conversation right. on the street you know we found out they they lived nearby in the in the neighborhood at at, at the time. That was our days. I mean, James and I, we would just sit there and we would just soak in yeah. the neighborhood. And it's just yeah. one of our favorite places because at the time, at night, it was very quiet. Now it's changed and there's a lot of um, restaurants and trendy bars and things right, like right. that. But at the time, you could sit there and there wasn't much going on at night. You no, know, it's just in, beautiful. In, in yeah. Soho, it, was, it, was, it was pretty quiet. Are you aware, since we caught, recorded the last one and the one now, has any other neon signs uh, disappeared? Sadly, yes. One and of our favorites. One of our favorites, which is uh, Clover James. Why don't you find? Yeah, I'll find it. Find okay. the page I got number. A uh, Clover Delicatessen, which is um in the Kipps Bay neighborhood. Clover had an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous neon sign. We're going to sh show you it in a second. It was 
a favorite of ours because this it, one here. it was two different colors. So clover being in green and then the delicatessen being in red. And the not, script of the clover is fantastic. Right. The script, like the, and the font, name clover, just quickly tell the name. Right, clover. The font was amazing. Like this curly cue to the C and the little like little like Pick. flourish kick on, on the on the V was just like we just loved it. Plus the facade also had porcelain enamel. Yeah. In addition Green. to the stainless steel. Right. And it was a it was a two-sided knee on this. Um it's not you can see it's a hint of it in our on photo. One side, then around but the because, corner right, because it was a corner location on Second Avenue, East 34th Street. It um the neon sign also, there's two parts to it, and it was on the corner as well. It just said Clover Deli. Right. They didn't have room for delicatessen. And on the, that the family's name was Katita. Right. It's a <laughs> it, right, it's an it's a delicatessen that was um opened by Italian immigrants. And it's funny because when we interviewed the the owners, the third generation owner was there, but he, he called in his, his father to come to come in. And um, he came from nearby and he told us the story of why they called it Clover because I was just like, listen, why did you call it Clover? Your last name is Kutita. You're Italian, not Irish. Right. I'm interested to find out why. A Clover is like, you know, luck yeah, of the Irish. Was, yeah, you know, we, yeah. You're not Irish. And you have your facade with the porcelain green enamel. You know, what's the story? And he's like, you know, when when my parents, you know, this is, is told to us by the second generation owner. He said, when my parents were thinking about opening a deli in the neighborhood, they were, you know, very religious. They would, you know, always uh, go to church and they would, you know, pray. They spoke with the priest and they told them they wanted to, to open a deli. And that day they were going to go down to, you know, lower Manhattan. You had to register, you know, when you're going to open a business, you have to register it and uh, get a permit. And they were going to register it down on uh, downtown, the municipal building, I guess you would go. He told the priest, he's like, you know, can you give me a blessing? Wish me good luck on this. And the priest is like, okay, well, what are you, you going to call it? And he's like, well, I'm going to call it Katita Delicatessen. And the priest said, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's not going to work. Do not call it that. Nobody, no one know how to pronounce it. No one know how to pronounce it. How to spell it. Your your last name. They're going to look at it. They're not going to understand it. You got to call it something else. And he's like, well, what should I call it? And he's like, well, why don't you call it something lucky? You know, for good luck. Because you're you're asking for my blessings. You know, sure. something to put with luck. And, and they came up with Clover. And that's, that's, how, that's how we got his name. We thought that was like the most <laughs> fabulous story. It was because of the priest giving his blessing before he went and tried to register the name down, you know, and yeah, open, open up his business. So anyway, I mean, that's one of the signs that disappeared. And that's one of the signs that that disappeared. We actually helped raise awareness to help save the sign. Thank God the sign has been saved and it and it's hopefully will be displayed at a museum, uh, not in New York, in a museum that that displays signs. But. You know, sadly, that being said, many of the businesses that have closed over the years, including, sadly, Ideal Dinettes, which is on page 160 of the book, it closed uh, many years ago when we photographed it in, 2000, page in 2004. We told the owner, oh, as a second generation owner, I remember her name, Barbara. You know, we told her how much we loved the sign. She called us a few years um, later when the store was going to be closing. Sadly, her, her, you know, her son wasn't interested in taking over the business. He was a doctor. He well, worked at NYU. I remember that. And she told us, you know, I know you guys love the sign. I'm going to be closing because uh, we're, we're ready to retire. 
my son obviously, you know, is busy. He's not going to take over our dinette store. Would you guys like it? And we're like, yeah, oh my God, would we like it? Of course we would like it. However, it was enormous. First of all, it <laughs> yeah, weighed it's a just, ton. Second of all, it, I mean, it's, it's a pretty like two and a half stories. If you no, stand no. it up, I mean, it's a pretty, right. It's a pretty long store. I mean, it's, it's not high, the sign, but it's really long. It, it could never fit in our building, let alone in our yeah, apartment. Yeah, you'd have to take out our windows no, and clean it up. We would have to maybe up. take out our window and get it hoisted up. And we didn't have money for that. Or, <laughs> and, the, and like, this was before the internet. We're right. like, this we couldn't a, have done a, a call to arms. Right. This was before the internet. So if if it was this day and age that, I got, that we would find, now we know, now we know a New Yorker who would, who, who's opening, you know, a, a sign museum. He, he creates um, signs um, in Brooklyn um, that would that would rescue the sign for free. However, that was that was before this time. She told us she called us up and said after we said we couldn't um, take it. She called us up like a week later and she's like, you know, I had to spend seven hundred and fifty dollars to get guys to haul it away and put it in a dumpster. She's like, I was crush crying. It up. She's yeah. like, I was crying when the sign went in there. She's like, I wish you could have that taken one hurt. It. Yeah, that's and to this day it, it hurt us. Um, and, you know, thinking about that, because we know nowadays with the power of social media and our Instagram account, you know, we didn't start our Instagram account until 2014. So this was before, Late adopters, then. Yeah. you know, we, we could have helped save the sign. But, you know, we, we didn't we didn't realize, you know, <laughs> is the area near Cafe Wa the best area in New York for historic architecture and stores? I think I'd, I'd seen this on um, one of your videos. And you'd meant you'd made a comment that um, this is one of your favorite locations. I mean, I think McDougal Street. Oh yeah, has because it's on McDougal, um, which is in Greenwich Village, has a preponderance of mom and pop stores. Yeah, it also because um like Minetta Minetta Lane is right um nearby. It also does not adhere to the grid system of 1812 that was imposed on the city of New York, meaning that. You know, if you come becoming a visitor to New York and you've never been here before, a large part of Manhattan is part of this grid system. Like making, a waffling. Making it very easy to navigate the streets right. because they're laid out on a grid, meaning like avenues run uh, north, north south, yeah. and the streets run east, east west. west. But Down there Greenwich doesn't. Village doesn't yeah. adhere to that, to that grid system. They were exempt from it. There's still all these like little streets that like curve around right. and intersect one another i mean like and you have cafe reggio where dylan hung out right. they, you have they cafe wow where dylan got his start no, no sense whatsoever because like you can get lost right. because you'll be on west 12 yeah, and then west 12 crosses west 4th like right. it doesn't make sense at all you yeah. know like there's no there's no grid whatsoever we just got a copy of bob dylan live at the gaslight and in the booklet there's a shot taken looking towards this was 1964, looking towards Cafe Reggio, and it looks just the same. Right. So like a couple of the stores might have changed, but it looks like you're right there, the same. Right. So Cafe Reggio, Cafe Wa, there's uh, Manetta Tavern. Tavern, uh, Italian restaurant. Right. There's there's a lot of uh, wonderful little places to see just on that on that block. You don't even have to go off that block oh. or you know in the nearby um, area. Plus the architecture, being that it is a historic district. A lot of the um, small little townhouses 
have been preserved. Yeah, you got basement spaces. Right. So it's it's really beautiful. It's to one of our favorite. Yeah. And it's tranquil. I mean, McDougal Street is busy and noisy, but if you just take a couple of steps away <laughs> yeah. onto Manetta Lane, yeah, yeah. It's it's tranquil. One of the and, quietest, and, prettiest spots. Right. You can go onto the back alley. There's Manetta Lane and there's Manetta Place. And I would recommend uh walking on both of those. You know, and just discovering like I guess you can imagine yourself yeah. or in the early 1900s. There's a lot of ghosts, yeah. ghosts on that street. Yeah, definitely. you can transport yourself like, oh, this is this is must have how it was back in those days. Or, you know, like we did a Bob Dylan walking tour for our YouTube right. channel. Right. Just like when he first landed in New York City, Cafe Wa was the first spot that he went to. And right. so you can just picture yourself as a young Robert Zimmerman you know, right. getting off that yeah, a couple bus. blocks away right. is where the cover of Free Wheel and Bob Dylan was shot. And discovering New York for the first time and oh, being yeah. excited about it. You yeah, know? hanging out at Cafe Reggio, like which we did the other day. Me and right. Carlo. Yeah, you can relive those days. And I, I think that's what makes um, Real that, special for that us. area of New York City very special. Yeah. The next question is about meeting famous people in New York. You've mentioned you've met Kate Hudson. Is Are there any other people you've met? Because you spend a lot of time walking the streets of New York. Who do you want to mention? I know that uh, by, by chance, we met Leonard DiCaprio. We were getting... He loves our dog. We were getting knishes at Yona Schimmel Knishes. <laughs> and I he came, stopped riding his bike to pet our dog. Right. I came, I came out of the store and we're like, oh my God. I think that's Leonardo DiCaprio. He was walking um, along with a, bike, yeah. with a friend, pushing a bike, pushing a, a, a bicycle. He stopped to um, he stopped to pet our to pet our dog Hudson. Not like Kate Hudson when we met when we met her and, and her husband um, from the Black Crows. You know, I was so we were, I was so starstruck that I was just like, oh my god, I'm going to ask him if we can take our, our our photo of him and our dog of him and our dog, and he declined, and we. But he was not. He was, he totally was nice, nice about, about it. it. He just didn't want to attract like nobody really had recognized him, but uh, yeah. but us, and I think he probably, probably thought wanna, yeah. that it, that it might have attracted attention, which it probably would have because when you take a photo, you know, it does gather people. Probably one of my favorites is we were in St. Mark's Books when it was on third, right at the beginning of the bar. Right. Um, it, it closed now. A wonderful and independent bookstore. Looking through books next to us was uh, Stephen Sprouse, the late designer who designed like all the Blondie album cover, like the Debbie Harry clothes and Blondie. And Carla recently got one of his pieces, a jewelry piece. He has since passed away, obviously. We were just, it was a rainy night, no one else in the store. And just, uh, we got to hang out with Stephen Sprouse, which was great. Yeah, we recognized that. Uh, and... Up on Madison, Sean Penn. Yeah, there's um, countless, I mean, this, there's, oh. oh Sophie we... Coppola we see on Bleecker Street occasionally. Right, yeah, she was walking on yeah. Bleecker Street. I mean, uh, Britney Spears, we saw her coming out of a uh, shopping yeah, out, out of the store, uh, store in Soho. We did not say hi to her. She had a whole team of. Yeah, she had like seven rushing, security guards. Pushing her into this a, was a while ago too. SUV, but I mean this this countless people. Um, it's funny because oh, um, Matthew Roderick. Yep, Matthew seen Roderick. Him many times. Um, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is a big fan of our right, work. Sarah his, Jessica Parker. Um, his wife is a, a is a big fan of our 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 storefront photography, and of course the introduction to our book. I mean, I have to I have to mention Chris Stein, co-founder of Blondie. I wrote mean, our introduction. Wrote our wrote our forward, and we couldn't thank him. And he's the nicest guy for doing that. Funny, he's he's just great. You know, he started following us on Instagram, and that's how we um, became acquainted with him through right. Instagram. You know, we were being big fans of him. We were blown away that 
Rocky O'Reardon, a bass player, uh, ex-bass player of the Pogues, came to us came to us for us to sign her book. Right. Waited on and I'm a huge Pogues waited fan. Waited on for so. like an hour for, uh, at our book signing event um, just um, the other week on a, on a Thursday night. Um, you know, we couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. you know, to us, the famous people that you see on the street, they just want to be treated as like just a yeah, regular yeah, New nice. Yorker. Yeah, most of them. And, most um, of them, except for Right. <laughs> but she didn't live here, so yeah, we give her, <laughs> give her that. You know, lots of models that we see, you know, yeah. also on the street. Um, Jim Jarmuse. Right. I mean. Uh, David Godless. Yeah. You know, we, I guess you could say we're friends with um, fellow yeah. photographers, too, that, you know, right. are, are regarded um, as as famous as well. I mean, you know, we just think of them as friends and acquaintances, not. And I think that's I think that's the nice thing about New York. Yeah. Is that. Well, many, many famous people, many stars do live here, but they like to be just treated as uh, just yeah, regular, living in, regular living in anonymity. Right. Regular people. So they right. can so they can just, you know, live their their life and, and appreciate all that New York has to offer. I remember um, when Run DMC had dropped their first album, we were outside of Astor Place Haircutters and they pull up in their the version, the then version of an Escalade. You know, they all got out, the three of them, and um, no one knew who they were. And, and like a couple of people like us and like a couple of uh, people our age, like we're like, oh, man. And, and like we we're saying hi and stuff. And Whereas we ran into Uzi Vert. Uzi Vert. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> at Hudson Yards. And he was in his um, okay. Bearcat, like uh, armored vehicle. Right. right. <laughs> There's just like such a difference than like than the run, the run the MC. They had their Kangol hats on. Kids these the, days, the, like they Adidas with the big laces, and I remember it vividly in front of Astor Place haircutters. Yeah, and it was just like it was kind of like a big deal, but it it wasn't like because it was only like three of us knew who they were. Right. They were super nice and <laughs> just just funny, funny, uh, funny times. And now you see the guy; he has like um, four vehicles with his armored vehicle, and <laughs> it's just uh, it's just times, different yeah. times, different times, different times. Lil Uzi Vert <laughs> yeah. is his name. Yeah. Okay, my next question is, you know, are you planning any further books in the future? I know you've just released this book, uh, but and would you consider a digital offering? And my thoughts are, you know, you could have an app with locations of each store. And I was thinking you could use your photographs, your historic photographs using augmented reality, and you could see the actual picture that you'd taken when that store had closed and i, I just think that might be a yeah. thing to consider in the future to see you I can mean, really see it. we are we are working on another book in fact we just i mean we can't talk about it yet because it hasn't been like uh, announced um yet but we just uh, we just turned all the materials in yesterday well it was, yeah i guess it was it, due today i guess you could call it early this morning because it was after midnight we just had to hand in all the materials by today october 2nd which i want to um, mention is um uh world architecture day yes it is um, today and and we did um actually post on our instagram we, we put up uh some cast iron architecture that uh, we were talking about which is um the beautiful uh, Lucky Strike facade. Sadly, um, friend, the bistro is no longer in business, but had beautiful cast iron architecture. Going back to uh, doing more books, yes, uh, we have another book that's related to the subject that will be coming out next year that will showcase our interior photography yep. as well as our exterior photography. So yep. 
that that's all I can say about the project right now um, until it's officially until it's officially released. But um, people you can catch it on our YouTube channel. Occasionally, we forget and mention what it yeah, is. That's something that's that something we're really, really excited really about. Excited about as because, a, as, uh, with respect to digital. Right. As, right. In, in respect to your uh, um, also, as far as like the mom and pop stores, we have enough material that we can make lots more books on the subject. So hopefully, right. let alone the text, like you mentioned. Right. We, we will have another book on the subject and include all these newer places that are opening now that we're excited about. Like, like I said, that pizzeria on, on St. Mark's place um, that just opened. Yeah. So, you know, just give us a bunch of time to gather the things like you and we usually like to gather uh, uh, photos for a good 10 years yeah. before we put together a collection. I mean, uh, I don't know how long it will be, but it doesn't ha necessarily have to be that long, but, that gives us a nice range, you know, when you have a, a, a nice collection, because we are, it's not like this is our, what we're doing for a living. We do this on the side. So we yeah. collect these constantly little, little by little. Even if we travel, we say we're not going to shoot storefronts, right. but we do. Right. So, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> you know, I would love to help um, keep on promoting um, these small mom and pop stores because to us, you know, they're lifelines for the communities and, and it's our way of giving back to the community by, by putting out these publications but as far as um, digital application, I mean, that's not something we would need help with. James yeah. and I are not very, very digitally savvy. Savvy. I guess you could yeah, say. You could say savvy. That would be a good word. I mean, James, to his credit, he taught himself Photoshop. Yeah, he all taught that himself Adobe InDesign, Illustrator even. And um, because, you know, like they all kind of like build on the same platform. Yeah. We're self-taught photographers. And James is also self-taught. Yeah, with um the, that digital aspect. But no, we haven't really. Uh... But we would need great help in that because we don't. I mean, James taught himself Dreamweaver, so we could uh, do our <laughs> own website. Yeah. But it's very rudimentary at that. I mean, it's just we we you know we don't have to we we actually have to update it again. Um, and just finding the time to do so. Um, with our schedule, you know, at least update the news and events page. Um, so it it stays uh, fresh. But all that is just like, we're not that digitally savvy. So that sounds like a wonderful idea yeah. and a great way of sharing these mom and pop stores with more of the world. But we would definitely, we would definitely need some help. Yeah. yeah maybe someone who listens to this podcast there might reach out to you. And, but I just think it, it's, uh, in the, you know, to walk around the streets and then look at where the store closed and you could just bring up the picture of what it was like instantly. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Interesting. I've got three more questions before we end. You guys always seem so happy. What is your secret? Uh, we love what we do. Yeah, I mean, they, you We're know, like there's a saying that that um, if you love what you do, then you never work a day in your yeah. life. I love who I'm with. I'm with my best friend. And I mean, we're blessed enough. I mean, we didn't start out this way as a couple. Um, you know, James and I had uh, a bunch of different jobs. At one point, James was working like three different jobs. Right. I working two jobs just to like, you know, be able yeah. to afford. To we live appreciate in, in New York City. How lucky you are to live in in what I think is the best city in the world. Right, and and appreciate that. Uh, your best friend. What we took initially as our hobby, which was photography, right. that now we've made a career of it. I mean, I feel, I feel very very blessed, and also that we're able to work together as a couple exactly. because um, there's not too many people that can say that that they live together, they work together. I mean, we're 24 hours right. a day. Yeah. 
side by side together. Yeah. Um, and it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and 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 we love it. And we and I think that because of all that, I think it's easy for us to stay positive. We yeah. try. We we're always like, you know, like I said, I'm very optimistic about the future of mom and pop stores. Yes. Yeah. James and I are as people are always the glass is half full not yeah. the glass is half empty yeah. kind of people living that life and that we carry that through in our, in our whole life to right. be positive um because exuding positivity yep brings more positivity yeah, yeah yeah exactly yep no wonderful wonderful answer and it comes across in uh, all of your videos as well you never seem uh upset or sad ever which is incredible <laughs> so uh, we're just so lucky thank you, you. you guys are um is new york city still a city that in the words of sinatra if you can make it here you can make it anywhere oh uh, absolutely oh yeah absolutely. you gotta be ready to work right you I would, gotta be ready to work right i, I, I what would, we do is um i would i would say absolutely i would say that in the reference for to opening up a mom and pop store. It's it's still a, a dream of many people to open up their own store, especially in New York. Yes, I believe if you can make it here, it's a tough environment. A lot of things stacked up against you. Yeah, um, but, but if, if you believe in what you're doing. And... Right, if, if you have the love and in, in, in what, what you do and the belief that you can succeed, then it will go a long way. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, going back to positivity, belief, you're gonna open a store. Believe that you can be successful, and then then you then you can be successful, yeah. even if things are stacked uh, against you. Right. We just do it for love. Yeah. Maybe I know the answer to this question, but are you ever going to retire? And if you were to retire, what would you do? Yeah. Uh, we're, I don't. I don't think. I don't well, see us ever. I don't see us retiring. I mean, you know, being that photography started as a hobby i guess it could it could be you know we could become it become more of a hobby but now like because what we do did as a hobby is also our living i don't think we can ever retire because no. we'll always be taking and like when we photos. like i said earlier like when we went we went to just for example we went to krakow poland and we stayed right outside the wawel castle which is like the big tourist feature there yeah the and we castle. never visited it and right. like when people ask, well, where'd you go? We're like, oh, we saw this beautiful butcher shop. We saw this, this, uh, this uh, or, like we carpet went, store that had the most beautiful sign. Like we saw this furrier, not that, like, so not like that I'm into furs, but like, I mean, it was just like, it was just an amazing. We got borscht from, um, and pierogies from this, this little hole in the wall place with the uh, babushka um, right. making it for us um, in the pouring rain when we were right. freezing cold. I mean, everyone's like, what do you mean you didn't, you didn't go to Wawakas? And you know, yeah, when did we you go to the there, fabric? Uh, right, we went there saying we are not going to take store. No, but as soon as we got we there, went, we said, No, we're going to be the tourists. Right. We've never been there before. We haven't seen any of the big tourist, you right. know, draws. It, it, it had rained like 10 days in a row. Yeah. And, but... and we were walking in the rain, soaking wet. My feet hadn't been dry for like a week. <laughs> and because we were backpacking. And um, there was this little wooden sign outside this house. And it said, we, we put it together that it was a picture of a pierogi. Right. And it had some Polish writing. And we walk up to the front and this and this older, like Carla said, Babushka is sitting yeah. in her living room watching TV. And we walk in and she stands up and she walks around to the kitchen. And she says, okay, have a seat. 
Right, but she, not not in English. Not in English. She's just motioning to a chair, <laughs> and she and she made us the most awesome meal, and it was like affordable and cheap. Right, she gave us borscht, borscht, and then pierogies. That we need. And the rain borscht. is like pouring down outside. It's like thirty degrees or something miserable. Right, and we, we just didn't ask for borscht. It right. just, it just appeared. Right, and other us. people would shuffle in and grab a, a paper bag of say like of uh something to go. She had made them, and and I don't, I don't think we're ever going to experience that excitement. Never stop experiencing that excitement and that joy of finding like just some little treasure of a of a store. I mean, exactly. It, it just was so memorable to be in her kitchen, it, and and that was her store. Well, lastly, before we finish, um, I'm gonna drop all the your links to um, you know, where you can buy your book and your Instagram page and your YouTube channel in the show notes. But where can people buy your book? outside of America, for example? Oh, definitely. Um, Prestel is an international publisher and um, they, they they have um, offices in, in London and, and Munich. So it is available um, definitely outside the US. Um, I mean, of course, we hope that people go to their local independent bookstore. You know, if you can't, I'm sure you can buy it online as well. In New York City, go to... Uh... Go to Village Works um, Gallery and bookstore which is on where, st mark's place right at 12 st mark's place we've, we've signed copies there um you know i'm not sure when this this show is going to air but we'll be we'll be doing more um book talks and, and book signings and we'll be bring books ourselves to uh sell signed copies right. of uh, as well yeah i just encourage all the listeners to this podcast really get this book in its physical form it's a wonderful book I just want to really thank you both for being on the second series of the Brock Architect podcast. Thank you so much. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you so That's much. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Please share, subscribe, and comment to support the channel. Architect.